If you have a Bible this morning, find the, the book of Luke. Find the book of Luke, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. Uh, and I'm excited to share with you today. I, I believe God has something for us, and uh, we've been studying uh, the encounters that Jesus had with people. Uh, if you didn't know this, Jesus was a real person. It's not just a, a Bible thing. Uh, in history, we have Jesus being a real person, living in a real time, with real people in a real place, and he walked and talked with people. And when people encountered Jesus, whatever that looked like, things seemed to happen. Miracles happened, uh, life change happened, uh, conflict happened. Things, things happened when Jesus encountered people. It was almost like you could not encounter Jesus and walk away the same. Th- things, it, it was an incredible thing. And, and the, the story of Jesus that we have laid out in the Bible, four different accounts of that actually, uh, really just tell us of, of Jesus walking this earth and what happened, and who he talked to, and this moment happened here, and, and all of this. Uh, and, and I've truly enjoyed this study. This is actually like the ninth week for us, where we've just been, we've just been taking an, an, a specific encounter that Jesus had with somebody or a group of people, reading the story in the Bible, talking about it, giving some observations, and allowing this to really move us and change things in us. And uh, this morning is a great example of this. T- today we're going to look at an encounter that Jesus has with uh, one of his disciples named Peter. It's actually the moment where Peter leaves everything in his old life and changes and follows Jesus for the rest of his life. This is eventually going to lead uh, years down the road to Peter being executed. Uh, years and years after Jesus... Peter is going to be executed, and uh, historians actually tell us that they, were, they crucified Peter, but when they were starting the process, Peter cried out and said, uh, I don't deserve to be crucified like Jesus, and so they crucified Peter upside down on a cross. This is the man, and we're going to look at really the start of his story here with Jesus, okay? And so uh, here we go. That's enough of an introduction. I'm ready to get into this. Please stand with me all over this place and let's read our portion of scripture today. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse number 1. I want to challenge you to take some notes, write some things down, type some things into your phone, or take a nap. It's all the options are on the table. All right, we'll just be honest for some of us. I understand that. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse number 1. Here's our story. It says this One day, As Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper, let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, 
I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me, for I am a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Kind of a weird thing to think about. Uh, But as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. Come on, somebody. Here we go. Let's pray. God, I pray right now that as we take a moment and look at your very word, that supernatural things would begin to happen in our hearts and in our minds, that we would uh, see you and know you a little bit better. And so, God, I just pray. I pray that we would open up our hearts. I pray that we would open up our minds, that we would sit on the edge of our seats today expecting something to happen and you to move and to speak. And so, uh, Lord, we just pray for all of this, God, uh, in the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give someone a high five and have a seat. All right, all right, come back to me here. Quick question, kind of just as we get started. We're, we're Minnesota people, uh, central Minnesota, lakes everywhere. Uh, you know, it's crazy that w- when you have relatives or people that come up here from other parts of, uh, of the nation or different things, and, and they travel up to Minnesota, they're like, there's another lake. Wow, there's another lake. There's a, every city that we, every city in our area is built on a lake, kind of. You know that, right? Uh, and so it's such a cool thing in central Minnesota. Lakes are just a part of our life. In fact, how many of you in this place, like someone in your family, your immediate family has a boat of some kind? Okay, lift up your hand. Wow, look at that. And I don't even care if it's like a nice boat. It can be a junkie boat. It could be a broken paddle boat for all I care. Raise your hand one more time if that's you. We've got a broken paddle boat. No, okay. Uh, that, I love that. That is so cool. Uh, and To take it a step further, how many of you that have a boat, the main purpose of your boat is actually for fishing? Show me your hand if that's you. Okay, we lost a lot of people in that right there. So we're just going to assume that the rest of you, uh, when it comes to your boating life, is for recreation, speeding around, pontooning, whatever it is. Okay, but it is about having fun. Now, uh, I don't have a boat, but maybe someday. Uh, and, and in fact, I don't go fishing very often, but I love it. And, and I grew up fishing all the time. And I grew up with my dad going up to Canada. And we would fish up in Canada and we would come back. And it was like, I love fishing and I almost never have an opportunity to do it. But a few weeks ago, uh, I got out and we went out, we took out the, like we went out and we're fishing for walleyes here on Big Sock. And we were excited. The evening before, a buddy of mine gave me kind of some tips about where to catch them. And, but something he said kind of caught my attention. He's like, the time that you fish matters greatly. And if you want to catch fish, and this is what he said, he said, if you want to catch fish, you really need to get out there right at sunrise to catch fish. He said the fish will bite like for an hour right at sunrise, and then it just sort of shuts down. And I said, awesome, what time is sunrise? And... <laughs> And he said, it's like 5.30. And I looked at him and I said, in the morning? 
Like 5.30 on a Saturday? This is not what I do. The 5.30 on a Saturday is not my thing. And then he kind of did this one of these, he's like, you know, and I was like, okay. So the next morning we got up crazy early. Got out there, it was like 7 o'clock in the morning. I know. We got out there, we got on the lake. Um, I know we didn't really get up in time. But so we get out to the spot though. And, uh, and there's a couple other boats out there as well. And I put my leech on the hook all by myself. And, and I drop it, and I drop it down into the water. And I promise you, I'm not just telling you a fish story here. Within 30 seconds, wham, wham. And I'm like, whoa. And I, and I go and I set the hook and I start reeling in. And the drag, if you're a fisherman, you know what this means, or a fisherwoman. And the drag is all wacky on my reel and it's going, you know, and I'm going to try adjusting things and I'm, I look awful here trying to, I'm going, I don't know what to do, you know, and I finally get things kind of dialed in and I'm reeling in and I turn over and my dad's on the other side of the boat and he goes, boom, and he's got one. And so like within a minute, we both have a fish on and we're reeling them in. I got mine in first, like it would, uh, and then he pulled in a 17 and an 18 inch walleye within a minute of us dropping, I dropped, I put the, uh, took the walleye off, put it in the thing, and the leech on again, put it down again, a minute later, bam, bam, I'm like, oh, and I, and I, and I miss it, and I'm like, oh, nuts, and I put it down again, boom, boom, I miss it again, and then I put it down a, a fourth time, and wham, I catch another one, the 15 inch walleye, and uh, a minute later, I turn to my dad, has another one, it was nuts, and it was like, boom, 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 we had six keepers that we kept like almost immediately, and then a bunch of little ones that we threw back and different things like that. And then all of the sudden, dead as a doornail, Smalls. Like seriously, it just died. There was nothing. And we sat there, you know, for the rest of the time doing, doing normal fishing, you know what I mean, where you don't catch fish. It was absolutely insane, almost exactly the way that he had said it. Like, fish bite right here at this time, and then all of a sudden, okay, and go ahead and put that picture up, just so that you believe me, okay? Yeah, you're like, I don't know if he's telling the truth. I look good right there. Yeah, that's good stuff, okay? And it was good. We cooked those and ate them, uh, and it was, but a few moments ago, we read a story from the Bible, uh, from a book called Luke, and it's really centered around a boat and centered around uh, a guy who's a couple of guys who are fishing, and and all of this is going to lead up to a miracle, a miracle that would lead to these three men specifically in the course of their lives being completely different forever. And so, and so let's get into this. Uh, we're just going to kind of go through the story verse by verse and talk some things out because there's some interesting pieces to this story that can be kind of jumped over and looked over really quick. Okay, so verse number one. Here we go. It says one day. As Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. The story starts with Jesus on this sea called the Sea of Galilee. Uh, this is northern Israel where Jesus has lived almost his entire life. Jesus was, uh, he was born in Bethlehem, way south in Israel, 90 miles south of where he grew up, actually. He grows up in this city called Nazareth, about 15 miles from there. And 15 miles is longer back then than it is here because they walked everywhere. But 15 miles is this massive body of water called the Sea of Galilee. Now it's a freshwater lake, even though they call it the sea. Some of your Bibles will actually say the Lake of Gethsemane or something like that. Same thing. 
Sea of Galilee is what we know it of. If you go to Israel today, it's one of the places they will take you to the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Why? Because most of Jesus' life and most of his ministry, which the ministry we call his last three years on earth leading up to his death. He was traveling around doing miracles, speaking to crowds and all this type of stuff. Most of that take, takes place up here on this, around the shores of this lake. And the Sea of Galilee, massive body of water, about 13 miles wide by seven miles wide. If, if you're a Minnesota person and you like to fish, you can think of Lake Mille Lacs. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is about a third of the size of Lake Mille Lacs. So not as big, but something crazy is Lake Mille Lacs is 42 feet deep at its deepest point. Not, not a whole lot, not very deep. Uh, the Sea of Galilee over 150 feet deep. And so it's about the same amount of water, even though about a third of the size. Jesus is walking around the Sea of Galilee, a normal thing for him to do. Crowds begin to form. Why are crowds forming? Because this man is doing miracles. Supernatural things are happening, and he's teaching. He would stop, and he would start saying things about God, and, and the, the ancient scriptures, and the people were mesmerized by this man and the things that he was saying. And so thousands of people at some point, but huge numbers of people would gather around to listen to Jesus speak. At this particular moment, Jesus is, his back is to the Sea of Galilee, and he is speaking to the crowd. More and more people keep coming, and they're, it says they're pressing in on him to listen to the word of God. Okay, that's what we have so far. Verse number two, he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Now, you read that and you think, wow, that's kind of normal. What we have here is Jesus semi doing something that you can consider is illegal. Okay, I'm going to read this story again and let's think about it. Jesus, people pressing in, he steps in some random dude's boat. Just, okay, if, if, this look, if this comes across normal to you, what I want you to do after church today is I want you to go just find a car, any car. In fact, pick the nicest car out there, all right, and just go sit in it. And then when the person comes up to the window and knocks and says, what are you doing? Just say, well, I, you know, I, I thought that you were a nice church-going person, and I was just wondering if I could use your car. All right, you try that and see how that goes for you. All right, but Jesus here, he steps in the boat right here, and then he turns to his, the owner of the boat, Simon. Simon is Peter, Simon Peter. And he says, hey, can you give me a little push? Okay, uh, and so Jesus, he sees these fishing boats. He says, I think I'm gonna float out a little bit, and I'm gonna speak. It, it'll work in this way, okay? And the story says that he got in the boat, floats out a little, and teaches the crowd from there. Verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper, and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now let me explain something here. Peter is a professional fisherman. It is what he does for a living. It is what he does all day, every day of his life. It's what he's grown up doing, living on the lake right there. Okay, This is, this is Peter. Peter's a fisherman. Are you with me? Jesus, not a fisherman. In fact, the people looking at him, and even from Peter's perspective, they would have saw and, and thought of Jesus as a religious man. 
A man who was brilliant when it comes to the scripture, brilliant when it comes to God, but fishing is my thing, Jesus. You do your thing. And so do you understand kind of the tension here is Jesus says, hey, I'm going to, Peter, I'm going to help you fish. All right. If I came in and tried to tell some of you how to do your job, you would look at me like, what are you talking about? Get back and do your thing, Kyle. You know, okay. So here we go. All right. Uh, Now, let me fill fill you in on something. Uh, a little secret here, every fisherman, fisherwoman in the world will tell you that the most difficult time to fish is when the sun's out right in the middle of the day, right? Okay, in fact, look how Peter responds here. He says in verse 5, Master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. Like, like when, when the fish are supposed to be biting, they weren't biting. And now you want us to try fishing here in the middle of the day. I, Jesus, fish don't bite in the middle of the day. It's not how that we get up early and we, we fish in that way. It's the advice I was given fishing while I get out there when the sun's coming up. The bite quits an hour and what happened? We caught fish right away and then it died on us. And we caught nothing. They say, uh, like, be there for when the sun goes up. Uh, and then I was ice fishing this, this winter with someone and and they're like, I was like, what time should we get out there? And he's like, as soon, you want to be there for when the sun goes down. It's like, okay. So we get there, and then the sun, you got nothing right away, and then the sun goes down, and it's like, wham, catch fish. Like, what is going, okay? This is the reality. And, and back to the story. Jesus says, go get your nets and catch some fish. Peter says, been fishing all night. Okay, you want me to go back? We just finished cleaning our nets. It even says that in the story here where it says they were cleaning their nets. For most of us, we don't have any idea what that means or what that looks like. If you are fishing for fun, you use a fishing pole. If you are fishing to make money and it is your livelihood, you don't. Very simply, it's not possible to catch enough fish to support your family with the fishing pole. Okay, think about that. For, so they would use nets. One of the trips I took to Africa at some point, we were at, 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 this, um, at the shore of the ocean, and it was this fishing village. And I remember looking over, and, and these guys are sitting there, and they have these massive nets, and they're all over the place. And they're sitting around them, and one by one, they're literally by hand pulling out pieces of seaweed. And I took a picture of them, and I forgot to, I wanted to put it on the screen, but I didn't. Uh, but, and, they're, they're, and I asked the little guy that was, he was like, what are they doing? And he's like, well, they have to clean their nets. They, they, every day they go out and they have these, they're these huge nets and they have weights around the whole outside of them. And what they do is they throw the nets overboard and the weights kind of spread out and it just sinks straight down to the bottom and catches everything on its path. And then they pull it up and it kind of all comes up together. Well, when you do that, you catch all sorts of junk and seaweed and sand and rocks. So the fishermen, after you fish, you literally sit down and you pull out by hand all of the little gunky things that you caught up in your net. Okay, so picture what we have happening here. Peter and his, and his buddies here have just finished cleaning up for the day. And Jesus is now saying, okay, I want you to go out there and fish again. And they're thinking, the fish don't bite during the day. We just cleaned our stinking nets here, Jesus. If we go, this is more than just, oh, go let down your pole. This is, you are now looking at an hour or more worth of work after just to listen to what Jesus says. Okay, but check out this last part. 
the verse Peter, like he says, Jesus, we fished all night. We didn't catch anything. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Jesus, this doesn't make any sense. This is not going to work. But all right, you say so. Verse 6, and then we read this. And this time their nets are so full of fish, they begin to tear. Can you picture they throw these things down? And they're like, they're turning to each other and saying, oh, we're going to have to clean this all day. I've got to go to the Walmart later, and I, you know, I don't know if I have time any now, and they're looking, yeah, I'm sorry, let's, we'll just do this, and then they like, they grab it, and they're like, oh, stink, what happened, you know, we're like, like, we got rocks in there, what's going on, and they pull this net up that is so filled with fish, the net is, the nets are ripping, they're tearing open, they pull them into the boat, and they're like, ah, the boat is sinking, another boat comes, and they fill that boat with fish, and the, they're literally sinking to the ground with, this is not normal, turn to your neighbor and say, this is crazy, okay, like, don't miss how crazy this story is, this is a, a blatant miracle here, this is not possible. You don't catch fish like this in the middle of the day, especially, or any time. Break your nets, sink your boat. This is crazy. Okay, verse 8. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees. He's amazed. Uh, and he says, please forgive me. I'm such a sinful man. He was awestruck. I love that word. It says he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. Okay, verse 10. His partners, James and John... The sons of Zebedee were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed. As soon as they landed, they got up and they left everything. Okay, they left their family. They left their boats. Like the imp This is kind of pointing at the fact that they left their boats full of fish. Their livelihood. Probably the biggest financial whatever they've ever had in their life, sitting in their boat. And, and when I read this, I just think, they're like, the crowd of people, go ahead, we're out of here. It's absolutely amazing. This is Peter, James, and John. They would go on to be the three closest disciples to Jesus. Two of the three will die for their faith. John will spend the rest of his life, the end of his life, outcast on an island because of his faith in Jesus, where the Holy Spirit of God would, would fill him with what almost seems like a crazy vision, and he's going to write out the book of Revelation, the very end. Of, okay, That's who we have here in our story. And it all, th this was their start. It all starts here. And so now, I, I want to give us just one main observation from this story. And I understand there are a number of different directions that we could go. This is an amazing story. We could spend a a month talking about this story, but just for the sake of today, I just want to go one very specific direction. Write this down if you're taking notes. God chooses to partner with people to accomplish his purpose in the world. God chooses to partner with people to accomplish his purpose in the world. This story, in a way, screams this point in two different ways. Okay, The, the first is this, like uh, even the little heading above this portion in my Bible says the call of Peter. It's the idea that Jesus, uh, he walks around and he calls these 12 people to follow him around and basically partner with him to bring the message and to spread the message even after he is gone, okay? We know that Jesus partners with these 12 men. The rest is history. 
But today, think about this in another way. It also points to this in a much simpler way. Okay, question. Does Jesus actually need Peter's boat? Okay, and I'm not even talking about the, the idea of like, oh, he could have just stayed on the shore. And d Does Jesus need a boat in any sort of a way? And the answer is absolutely stinking not. Let me explain. John 1.1, 1, 1. in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. The Word, here it says the Word, the Word multiple times. The Word, is an, it's another way of just saying Jesus. Jesus was with God in the beginning because he is God and uh, through him, that's through Jesus, all things were made. In fact, it says, without him, nothing has been made that was made. Jesus is God. Follow me here. Follow me here. We're getting somewhere, and I love this, okay? Jesus is God. He's the creator. Jesus created the wind. He created the waves. He created the fish and put the gills on the fish that Peter and John and all of them are, are so desperately trying to catch. He created water in every way. He created the sea. If Jesus had wanted to just create a little distance between him and the crowd, he, we just know from another place he could have just walked out there onto the water, right? You know that. In fact, that's how I would have done it. <laughs> like, think about this. If you want to speak a message to people and you just kind of moon, moonwalk out onto the water, don't you feel like the people are going to listen to you a little bit better? I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense to me, but he didn't do it like that. He, he doesn't do it that way. What we have in this story is a perfect example of, of the creator choosing to collaborate with his creation. Jesus choosing to involve Peter in this mission to get the word out. Jesus, Jesus knows he can do anything that he wants because he is God. But instead, he thinks, you know what? I want a boat. You know what? I want his boat. I could do this on my own, but I want to partner with my creation. I want to use his boat here. I, 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 want, to use, I want to use their life. I want to use their gifts. I want to use the things that they have. I, I want to partner. I want to partner with, in, in fact, here's my plan. Listen to this. Here's my plan. I want to build a church. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to call people together from different nations. I'm going to call people from different parts of the world, people with different backgrounds. And, and, and I, I want some people who own their own business, and I want other people that are even kind of like unemployed. And, 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 and I want some people who suffered great abuse in their past and junk that they went through. In their, I, I want them. I want some people... Who, who are single, and I want some people who are divorced, and I want some people who are married, and I want to bring them all together. And I want to use what they have, 
I want to use their gifts. I want to use their talents. I want to use their stuff. I want to use their life experience. And, and if they will allow me to use them, if they will open themselves up to that, then together we are going to accomplish this purpose of getting the message out to the world. See, understand something. That, 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 was, that was good. That was important. That mattered. But listen. The story of the Bible points to a God who loved us so much that he made a way. Sent Jesus to die for us. He made a way for us. But it also points to a God whose plan from the very beginning here includes partnering with his creation to accomplish his purpose. Now let me make something very clear. God doesn't need us. God doesn't need you. God doesn't need what you have. God doesn't need your money. Some of us have this idea in our mind, like I, I put money in the church offering so that we can keep the lights on and that we can keep the staff paid and we appreciate that and we love that. And as Pastor Corey said earlier, like I love being a part of a church. But understand, God doesn't, God doesn't need your money. God was God way before we were ever even born. He doesn't need anything from you. He doesn't need anything from me. It's this beautiful moment where he chooses this. He chooses and he, he opens his hand and says, you want to partner with me in this? I could do it any way that I want, but I think I want to do this. It's this beautiful idea of the creator God partnering with his creation to accomplish his mission. I love that. In fact, in fact, I love this, the way this, the, the wording of the story here, it says, Jesus got into the boat, this is verse 3, that belonged to Simon, and don't miss this, it just says, and he asked him, want to give me a little push here? Like he asked him, he doesn't force Peter to do anything, he, he's kind of like, like, you want to do this? You, you don't have to, I, I could totally do it without you. Actually, there's a second boat right here, and so if, 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 if you really don't, I, I really could just use somebody else's boat. And it's this open invitation. I love this in this story. And so all of this leads to a question. Are you ready? Are you ready? Can God borrow your boat? Kind of a weird question. And some of you are like, I don't even have a boat. My, and others of you are like, my broken battle boat? God wants to use it. Can, can, can God borrow your boat? The, the gifts you have. The, even the pain from your past, can God use that? Your talents, can God use that? Even your, weakness, even your weaknesses, what, what, about, what about the things that you have? Can God use that for his glory to accomplish his purpose? This is, this is the partnering. This is the way that it's supposed to look with you and, with you and I. This is the way it's supposed to look with the church. Can God, can God use them for his glory? See, see, many of us have gotten confused about our stuff. And we've forgotten who created all of this. Who created the winds and the waves and, and the oak and the maple or whatever they used to build a boat these days. Fiberglass. Okay, but... but God created all of this. He created it all. And we get so confused that we actually begin to think that this is all mine. And that I have worked hard and that I earned it and I deserve this. 
At one point in the book of Deuteronomy, way in the Old Testament, uh, God saves these people from slavery in Egypt, walks them around, sends them into this promised land. And before they go into this amazing new land, it says it's flowing with milk and honey is what the Old Testament, this is thousands of years ago. Before they go into it, he gives them this warning. And I didn't put this scripture on the screen. It's like Deuteronomy 8 or 9. But the warning to them is, hey, when you go into this new land and you have your fill and things begin to... things start to go well with you, don't forget who set you free over here from Egypt. Because the temptation will be for you to begin to think, I did all of this. I earned all of this. This is all from me. And God says, let me warn you here, that is not. See, man, understand all you have is from God. And everything you have is on loan. You cannot take it with you. Music team, will you please come? But don't miss this. We've built this all into this final few minutes here. Okay? Listen to this right here. I love this. It is a cool thing when Jesus becomes your partner because he knows the best places to fish. Okay? It's a cool thing. Which leads us to the miracle with the fish that this story kind of ends with. Jesus, Jesus is teaching. He, he's kind of said, he said, Peter, can I, can I use your boat? And Jesus here then teaches Peter something so profound. Here's, here's what he teaches him. When you have done all that you can do in your own strength, in, in your own power, you, professional fisherman here, Uh, fished all night on your own with your own strength your own knowledge when you get to that point and you've done it all on your own and you truly now are saying I got nothing you are truly you are in the most amazing place to experience Jesus when Peter pushed the boat out onto the water he thought he was loaning Jesus his boat for an hour think about this with me he did not know that he would spend the, 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 the next three years of his life witnessing deaf ears being opened, blind eyes being able to see, dead people coming back to life, loaves and fish feeding 5,000 from a little boy's lunch. He had no idea that when Jesus got off his boat, incredible things would begin to happen and Peter would be right in the middle of it. In fact, it is so crazy. We're just about done. It is so crazy that he picks Peter. What? P- Peter is a dirty fisherman. Peter is compulsive. Peter is an angry man at times. Like, you, you do not cut off somebody's ear if you have a normal upbringing. That's coming later in the story of Peter. Okay? Like you, just, you just don't do that. Peter is not who you're going to pick. Peter had a bow. And Jesus said, can I, can I use your bow? Listen, you will never know what God will do until you lend him your bow. So what does this look like for us now? It's a complete change in our mindset. It's a constant awareness of God is asking me to partner with him in this world. And it's a constant response of, God, this doesn't make sense. But if you say so, Jesus, I'll do it. If you say so, please stand with me all over this place.
God, we, we want to partner with you. And God, I, just, I even just kind of speak for myself here in this moment and say, I want you to use my gifts. I want you to use my pain. I want you to use everything that I have, every penny that is to my name. You can, you can have it, God. And I want to move in that direction, Jesus, every single day where I am closer and closer to that being just who I am and the way that I operate and the way that I live my life. God, help, help me to remember that nothing here is truly mine. That everything that I have has been given to me by you, the creator who loves me, who cares for me, who has done so much for me and has, and has handed me this life. And God, I want to partner. I want to partner with you. And I pray that you would help me to do that. In your name, I pray. With no one looking around, just a time of privacy and reflection here before we're done. Maybe you're here in this place and you would say, Pastor Kyle, I have, I have never... I've never made a decision in my heart to even start this relationship with God. See, the Bible tells us we are all sinners and our sin separates us from a perfect God. It's why he sent Jesus. Jesus died for you. The very Son of God died for you so that you could be forgiven and that you could be free and you could be reconciled to a perfect God. There is nothing you can do in your own power. You cannot earn your way to God only through Jesus and those that put their trust in him and those that call out to him call out in the name of the Lord it says they will be saved and my question for you today is have you done that have you put your trust in Jesus the author and the creator of everything who loves you and needs and, and we desperately need you we, we are we're in need of a savior say, I have never done that. I've never made that decision. And I want to do that today. If that's you, just quickly show me your hand. Just show me your hand. Thank you. Anyone else, anyone online right now, if you're watching this, you can respond. Click a little button, click a little link. It says raise a hand or respond or whatever. And you can, we want you to do this as well. But anyone else in this place right now that says, this is me and this is my moment. All right, church, can we just pray together? Everyone in this place, let's pray this. Pray, Father God, I give you my life and everything I have. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together? Let's celebrate that moment. We thank you, God. And now, as we kind of close, it's one thing to say all this and to say, woo, yeah, I'm out, woo, cool, I'm in, I'm part, okay? It's a whole other step to walk out these doors and begin to open our lives and open everything we are and everything we have to God and say, I, I want to partner with you. And to say, yes, Jesus, this doesn't make any sense to me, but if you say so. So here's the challenge for us to be more aware, for this to be on our mind, for us to be asking, God, what can I do? What do you want? And to be able to live our lives in this way. Let me pray.
pray for you and then we'll be done. God, I pray, I pray, I pray that as we walk out these doors today, that we would truly be more aware of you than we have ever been. That we would know that you, Holy Spirit, are right there beside us, inside of us, moving. God, God, I just pray that we would not hold on to our lives and hold on to our stuff with closed fists, but that we would truly be open to partnering with you in any way that we can. We love you. We need you. God, let this church be a living example of what you have called us to do and to be. We love you. It's in the powerful, life-changing name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen.